Let's pray before we look at God's Word together this morning in 1 John, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 1. Father, we thank you for the sweet sound of music. We thank you for these brothers and sisters who serve us so faithfully each and every week. Thank you for the people that make up this local assembly. Once again, I thank you. Pray that you will bless us this day. Bless us in this coming year as we rightly represent you. May we do so never in our own strength, but always in the strength, powered by your Spirit. And for this moment, this morning, as we look to your Word, as an always uh, dependent people, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll arrest our attention this morning. While you enable me to proclaim this truth this morning, that you will be glorified, that we will grow in the grace and knowledge of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that you may sanctify us in the truth, as your word is truth. Amen. Open, if you will, to 1 John. We read from the Gospel of John. Now, this is 1 John. If you go to the back of the Bible... Revelation being the last book, go back one book to Jude, and then there's 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. Very short epistles, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, okay, now that is, that's Jesus, friends, we just read from in John. That which was from the beginning, which we... John refers to he and and his fellow disciples, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This ends the reading of God's word. Uh, Now, over the past few weeks, if you've been with us... um, you've probably noticed that within the order of service, um, we have been preparing for what we celebrate today, that light has come into the world, promised long, long ago. During the order of service, I cited uh, many uh, Old Testament texts. We read about man's desperate need for light. In Isaiah 9, we read that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land... Of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And that's followed by the prophetic promise of the ultimate light to be shown. 
And that is the promise that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, throughout all of the Old Testament, we, we have true glimpses of who God is and in his person and in his character. But they're all moving towards a great point of culmination, the apex of which is the Lord Jesus Christ. God reveals himself throughout redemptive history, and he makes manifest who he is by way of the sending of his Son. Now, the Bible's clear, is it not? That we cannot know through mere intuition or reason Almighty God, creator of the heavens and earth. We, we can't reason or intuit our way because the pipes are clogged, if you will, with sin. Sin does what? Sin blinds us. Sin leaves us trapped in darkness. We can't see. We can attempt in and of ourselves to try to reason about who God is and what he's like, and at best we'll conclude that God is an enigma. There's no way to know Almighty God in and of ourselves. In order to know him, he must make himself known, or you'll never know him. We'll be left in the dark. And throughout redemptive history, that's what the Bible is, the biblical account, beloved, is redemptive history. God does just that. He reveals himself over time. Back in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18, we read this. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we celebrate today, amen? This is what we celebrate, God making himself known by condescending and coming into this world. That's why the Christ was born in Bethlehem. That's why the Word became flesh. God was making himself known in his fullness. In John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus would go on to say this, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain where, beloved? In darkness. He is the light. Without him, we remain in darkness. Now, when we read scripture, categories of light and darkness are used metaphorically in a number of ways. Um, Primarily, um, intellectually speaking, um, light has to do with truth. Darkness has to do with with lies, with ignorance, and or error. Morally speaking, light has to do with purity. Darkness has to do with evil. Jesus referred to himself as light. He also referred to himself as truth. Truth is not a thing. Amen? Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. Jesus said of himself, not only am I light, I am also truth. I am the truth. I am the only way to God. 
I am life everlasting. I am, I am, I am. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not, guaranteed, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Which means we'll be brought into the light from darkness, we'll live in light, dwell in light, and we will also walk in the light. That's what John is after in this text. That's the theme he picks up on. So let's talk about John for a moment before we look at this. John is the author of these three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He also authored the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. John was a fisherman by trade. One day John was mending his nets. That's what fishermen do. While he was mending his nets, Jesus of Nazareth passes by. And he calls John and his brother James to himself. Come, follow me. They drop their nets. They drop their living. They leave it behind. And they follow Jesus literally for those three years. They literally follow him for three years. Leaves his nets. Leaves his father's business. And he follows Jesus. And deep within John, he, he senses the weight. He, he senses the authority and, and the hope of that call to follow Jesus. Now, he'll go on and witness Jesus heal all kinds of people. He'll witness Jesus commanding evil spirits to, to go out of men and women. Just by the word of his mouth. He'll see Jesus calm a storm by the word of his mouth. He'll witness Jesus raise the dead. Spectacular, mighty miracles of Jesus. But more than all of that, it was the teaching of Jesus that captivated him more than all else. After all, Jesus taught with authority unlike the scribes. People were stunned. People were amazed at the authority of Jesus' teachings. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't the mere audacity of what Jesus said. Okay, I am bread come down from heaven. I am light of the world. I am living water. I am the only way to the Father. It wasn't merely the audacity of what Jesus said, but it was rather the authority with which he said it that captivated John. knowing that what Jesus was saying was the truth. So John says, look, I'm an eyewitness. All this false teaching by John's time that Jesus wasn't a real human being, he says, you can lay all that aside because I'm here to tell you. I was an eyewitness uh, having heard him, having seen him with my own eyes. I laid my hands on him. We looked upon him. We touched him. That is concerning the word of life. I'm an eyewitness. And I'm here to tell you about it. This is John. Now, John recalls. Imagine John following Jesus for those three years, and he would well remember the day when Jesus said this. Look at it. John 12. I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. 
So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Right? Jesus is going to be lifted up on a cross. He's going to be crucified. Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Get that? The light. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. A few decades later, John takes up his pen and he writes this. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another. Okay, what then, beloved, does this event we celebrate today, that is Christmas, this is celebration of the Incarnation. This is a festival of the Incarnation. That's what Christmas is. What does this, Jesus coming to earth, what did it provide for us? What does it offer all who hear? And the answer is quite simple. It's fellowship with the living God. It's the only way to have fellowship with the living God. And I'm talking about real, active, living relationship with Almighty God. That's what his coming to earth has to do with fellowship with God. Christ coming to earth brought light to the darkness. And us, we who are here today, believing in him, trusting in him for our salvation, trusting in him alone for eternal life, brings us out from the darkness and into the light. For he is light. That's what makes what we celebrate today much more beloved than a heartwarming holiday, okay? This is much more than a heartwarming holiday, Christmas. I mean, it warms your heart, doesn't it? It does, but it's more than that. Don't let it be just a heartwarming moment together. The light has come into the world. It brought about, his coming brought about our fellowship with the living God, walking in it, living in it, This is the life of real, I mean, we're talking real life-giving, satisfying, soul-satisfying fellowship with God. Believe it or not, this is what everyone is looking for, whether they admit it or not. Everyone wants joy within. You'll never have joy within unless you have fellowship with the one true living God. You can always find happiness because happiness has to do with Happenstance, circumstances that are positive. So it makes you happy. Happiness doesn't last. This is joy unending. Notice he says in verse 2, the life was made manifest. Now that should trigger a connection to what John said in his gospel, right? We read from it earlier. The word became flesh. God was made manifest in a human body. He goes on to say, we've seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim it to you. 
eternal life which was with the Father. Now that should trigger our, our memory back to John also where we read in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and God was made manifest to us, John says. That which we have seen, verse 3, and heard we proclaim to you, and that is, verse 5, God is light. So, John, thus far we've seen in his gospel, and we see here, he uses the terms word and light to refer to Jesus. And those, beloved, are terms of divine revelation. Divine revelation. Jesus is called the Word. Okay, that's a big deal in Scripture, is it not? The Word? After all, God creates the cosmos by way of speech. He speaks, and it was. Let there be light, and there was light. There had to be. Speech. Jesus' miracles happened because he commanded them to happen. Be gone, and demons were gone. Rise up, and you rose up. He speaks. So throughout Scripture, the Word is one way God reveals himself by way of his Word. So John says he is the Word. We see that he is light, and he came to earth as light. So he is the Word. He he is light. Light reveals that which is normally hidden in the dark. Now remember in John 3, Verse 19, we read this, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people, what do they love? People love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So light comes in, and when light is shown, all blemishes are exposed. So we do this, and naturally we run into the dark. Jesus comes as God's light. He enlightens people to the truth of God, to the truth of who God is. And unfortunately, we do this and we squint and we run to the darkness. Left to ourselves, that's where we remain. So John provides us the clearest picture here of who God is in Jesus. And he says here, it's him we proclaim to you. He is light. John's gospel, he says he is the word. He is the word. So he is revealed, and he is revealing. God is revealed, and Jesus comes revealing who God is. And this is the most perfect picture of who God is, and it's in the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God comes to us in Christ by way of divine condescension. Now, and also understand is God came from earth, the God-man, second person of the Godhead, Jesus, he condescended, took on human flesh. He never surrendered his deity. He never ceased being God. He never put his godness aside. What he did, the, 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 the condescension of, of Jesus, condescending grace of God in Christ Jesus, was that he, he condescended in terms of addition. He's always been God, Amen. And what he's taken upon himself, in addition to himself, was a human body. Flesh like yours. Flesh like mine. That's the condescension. He's the one who spoke this thing into existence. And then, according to the fall, Adam fell. All of mankind goes with Adam. That's why we're all born 
in the condition of sin. We're sinners. And Jesus condescends to redeem all that back by taking on human flesh, the light of the world. But he was veiled. His deity was veiled in this tent of flesh. So he never ceased being God. Make sure we understand that. This light was veiled. His deity was disguised. And he came bringing grace and what? Truth. Grace and truth. In John 1, verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, now stay with me because this is going somewhere that's key to our understanding as Christians. That is to say, what God provided through Moses, was it good? Of course it was good. God provided it. It was perfectly good, very good. But what he provides in Jesus far surpasses any other revelation of who God is. It far surpasses all other revelatory truth of God, for Jesus is the chief sign or chief expression of who God is in a human body. And he comes with grace and truth. He is the word. He is life. And what do we learn about the Father with Jesus coming? We learn about his grace. Grace. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Grace and truth. It it basically means being counted special when you're not. Because you're not. I'm not. We're not. But grace says we are in the eyes of God. Now, unmerited favor, there's one theologian um, a number of years ago who called it dismerited favor. Meredith Klein. And he said, he, he referred to it as dismerited favor because he thought unmerited favor sounded too neutral. Right? Think about it. Dismerited favor. Because, as Klein said, we want nothing to do with God. We run from him in our hearts and in our actions. True or not true? You better believe it's true. We're prodigals on steroids, man. (laughs) That's what we are. We are prodigals on steroids. And in spite of us, in spite of that, notice, he acquits us By grace. Jesus, full of grace and truth. You know, Paul said in Romans 5, where sin abounded, where we made a mountain of a mess with our sins in our lives, what? Grace abounded all the more. It superabounds. It rose higher than our sin. God sending his son, providing us grace, his grace superabounds our sin. Now, that's good news. He forgives our sins. Paul also said in Romans 5, okay, and this is the key to the whole thing. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation. The reason we have fellowship with God, the reason we're able to have fellowship with God, is because we've been reconciled to God by the sending of God in a human body. In other words, as fallen creatures, we've been reunited to our Creator by way of faith and trust in the one who came. So Jesus 
came to bear our sin, reconciling us to God. That is, beloved, our alienation from God due to our sin, our guilt, and condemnation compared to his purity, his holiness. Remember, God is light and that he is unapproachable light. So we're alienated from God. Jesus' coming ends that alienation. It severs it. He reconciles us to God. So by his death, Jesus came to die. He was born in a manger in order to bear God's wrath, to die on a Roman cross. Alienation is replaced with reconciliation. Reunited to our creator because of grace and, hello, truth. Grace and truth. That's an objective reality, beloved. That's an objective fact. Coming to Christ by way of faith, he washes away that mountain of guilt and shame. Now, there's a Christmas gift for you to be reminded of. Amen? He's come as light, for he is the word of truth. However, that must be received. That's a gift of grace. You must receive it by faith. And what you have to do is you have to lay aside your own alienation and your own hostility toward God by repentance and faith in the one who removes the alienation. Amen? You must receive it. This is a gift. Christ alone, faith and trust in Jesus alone. That's why Jesus is called a friend of sinners. That's why Jesus is called the friend of tax collectors. The most, the most loathed people in the covenant community of Israel. Tax collectors, sinners, Jesus was friends with these people. See, that's what grace does, amen? Grace accepts sinners who are a mess. Are you a mess? <laughs> Anyone not a mess compared to this holy God who dwells in unapproachable light? See, Jesus came, he accepts sinners who are a mess because God has dealt with the mess in his son in whom he sent to this earth. Light, life, full of grace, full of truth. Now, if we do not understand who Jesus is, there's no way that we can understand what he came to do. Amen? And if we don't understand both his person and his work, then we will quickly fall pray to the notion that in order to be accepted by God, we we have to earn our way to God. If Friends, if you think this morning that in order to be right with God and to be reconciled with God, you have to do all of this stuff in order to earn his favor, you don't understand the gospel. You must must repent of that thinking and understand that that's what Jesus came to do. He, He did all the do's. He did all the don'ts that God demands and requires. So by trusting in him and what he's done, you're set free. By truly believing and trusting in him, repenting of unbelief, you're brought out of the darkness and into the light, illumined, graced according to his truth. You can't earn it. You know, that's what you hear at Christmas time. You hear, who's on the naughty list? Who's on the nice list? You hear it all. It's no wonder we get so confused. You know, in order to be accepted by St. Nick, 
or wh- whoever or whatever. You have to be good little boy or girl. Look, you, you want to try to be good in God's eyes? You have to be perfect, sinless from the womb to the tomb. And the fact that you're going to the tomb reveals the fact that you weren't. Because the consequence of sin is death. By nature, you're a sinner. This is grace made manifest. Him, John says, we proclaim to you. So question, what's the secret to true joy within any human being, whether they admit it or not? Answer, quite simple, fellowship with God. Fellowship with the living God. Verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy or our joy, yours and ours, will be made full. True joy. Notice verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him. We proclaim to you that God is, here it is, what is he? Light. God is light. Now, several times in Scripture, okay, God has referred to a lot of things. God is love. God is holy. God is righteous. God is merciful. But here, light is probably the most comprehensive of all statements because with light, we think of purity. We think of transcendence. We think of majesty. He's light, and yet he makes himself known. The absolute, pure, perfect one is made known in human flesh, Jesus Christ. Him we proclaim to you, says John. Notice, he goes on. And in him is no darkness, what? At all. Okay, that is to say, if you claim, I'm good with God, I like God, I believe in God. You know, I like to have a little, I like to make a little room for God. You know, especially at Christmas. You know, I have a manger scene in my front yard. I like to make a little room for God. If you claim to be right with God, if you claim to believe in God, and you haven't come to Jesus Christ by faith and trust in Him alone, you're deceiving yourself. And you remain in darkness. Listen to what Sinclair Ferguson says about deceit. This isn't a great, a great little book he wrote. I just read it. Um, what, what's the name of that? Christ in a Manger or something? The Meaning of Christmas? He writes this, and I quote, Deceit comes in various guises. We pretend to be something we're not. Secure when we're insecure, claiming not to believe what we know deep down to be true, or pretending to be religious or even a Christian when in our hearts we resist the Savior. End quote. Can't fool God. Every heart will be laid bare on the last day. Amen. It'll be opened up, revealed. The secrets of men's hearts will be revealed in Jesus Christ. But, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Here it is. Fellowship with one another because we have fellowship with him, the one true God. He's reconciled us by sending his son. 
So if we come out of darkness and into the light by faith, we have fellowship first and foremost with Almighty God and with one another, those who have true fellowship with the living God, we have fellowship. That's why I can call you my brother or my sister. You call me your brother or sister. We walk in the light together. We've been brought out of darkness into fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. That's what Christmas is all about, beloved. That's what salvation is all about. That's what eternal life is all about. Fellowship with God. The last thing you needed was a list of do's or don'ts. Amen? Do's or don'ts don't save you. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ does. So then we're able to experience the sweetness of reconciliation. We're able to experience being adopted into the family of God. And did you know that not all people are just God's children? Did you know that? In a creative sense, we are all God's children. But in a saving sense, guess what? We're not. That's why you have to be adopted in. And that's through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Adopted heirs of the living God. And notice at the end of verse 7, if we've been brought into this union, we have fellowship with God through Christ. Notice, as a result, notice, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from which sins? All sins. Now, blood is a symbolic way, beloved, of speaking of Jesus' death. Jesus came to die. And Jesus' death, faith and trust in him alone, his life, death, and resurrection, cleanses us from all our sin. That is, your sin in the condemnation that is due, the penalty that is due, is removed as far as the east is from the west. It no longer condemns us in the sight of God. It removes the enmity. It removes the the estrangement from God. We were estranged from God, alienated from God. All of that is removed by way of reconciliation. Now, even those believers, we still sin. Do we still sin? You still sin? Good, that means you're not a liar. The fact that we still sin does not annul or prevent our union with God because faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're given a union that is everlasting. Amen? That union cannot be broken. We can mess up our communion, but union will never be severed, ever. He's dealt with that in Christ. Now, in our sin, you may be tempted to run and hide from God, But don't go back to the darkness, beloved. Don't try to hide in the shadows. Come out where there's light. We must enter into the light and receive his forgiveness and receive his ongoing cleansing because we are a reconciled people. Don't hide. Run to the, the cross. Run to the light. Not from the light. Blemishes and all will be exposed, but it's, it's here we discover the grace and mercy of God renewed day by day. So don't run. You can't hide anyway. Now, if, you're happy, if you happen to be here and you happen to think, sin? What's he talking about? Sin. You know, maybe for these saps, that's what Christmas is all about. But I'm a good person. I'm a decent person. And Christmas is a heartwarming holiday for me, and this guy's ruining my Christmas joy. (laughs) If that's you, 
Merry Christmas. And the next verse is for your serious consideration. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is what? It's not in us. It's not in you. So if you're here, well, it's Christmas, I'll go to church. But this sin stuff, that's too much. You don't understand the gospel. You're in the darkness. Let me use biblical terms. Be as polite as I can. You're blind, spiritually, deaf, and you dwell in darkness. And the command is to repent and come out of the darkness and into the light. And Jesus is the light. He's the word of truth. He's your only hope. See, there's one thing God can't do. Lie. Did you get that? Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. God can't lie. That's why Romans says, let God be true in every man. A liar. He is light. He is life. So God who's compassionate, revealing himself as he has, enfleshed in a human body, was accepted and is accepted by many. But you know what, beloved? Truth is, he's rejected by most. John said in his gospel, he came to his own. He came to his own, and his own people did not what? Receive him. Have you ever seen that written on a Christmas card? Nice snowy scene. Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. And a big X over the manger or something. (laughs) You don't see that on Christmas cards. But John wants us to know, beloved, this is very important. Okay, again, John's gospel, first John here together. John wants us to know Jesus' rejection and Jesus' death were central to his mission. He came to be rejected. He came to die. In other words, there's a crimson thread from the manger to Good Friday. Crimson thread. Jesus came to be crushed by the Father. He was born in order to die. In our place, condemned he stood. That's what Christmas is about. It's not just Good Friday. Jesus came to do this for all who believe. He is Savior of all who believe. Saving us once again from what, beloved? From God. God's wrath. We're saved from God's wrath. Jesus bore God's wrath. That's why he was born. Conceived in the womb of the virgin. Born, suffered, died, and raised again. So notice, as I prepare to close, light enables us to see, right? We're granted illumination to leave the darkness and step into the light of truth. God is truth, made manifest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yet, it's not only for the sake of illumination. Light also serves us as a way of transformation. Illumination 
and transformation. Paul said in Ephesians 5 verse 8, at one time, you know what you all were? You were darkness. I was, you didn't only walk in it, you were darkness. Now you are light in the world. We are children of light. Beautiful, isn't it? You were dark, now you're light. Jesus said you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, now, as, as regards transformation, jump ahead to 1 John 2. Okay, you've been brought out of the darkness into the light. You've been given grace to believe. You've been illumined. And also, he doesn't leave us there. He transforms us along the way. And how is it made manifest? How does it show up? Chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother, guess what? He's still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause of stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness, what does it do? It blinds the eyes. What Jesus brought about at Christmas for us is related to all of life. And it shows up for us the fact that we've been brought out of the darkness into the light, illumined to the truth, who is light and life, Jesus Christ. We also now walk in that light. This, this shows up in how we think of one another. This shows up in how we treat one another. That's why it's not possible. Don't miss this. I do not find in the Bible where it's possible to say you're a Christian and not be in church regular, not be part of the body of Christ. I don't believe it is biblically possible to say, I love Jesus, I just can't stand Christians. Who's the apple of God's eye? His bride. How can you say you love Jesus if you hate what he loves? He loves his bride. Despite all of our flaws. In spite of all the blemishes, he's shown his light. He shines his light. He, he calls us now to walk in that light. So we can't say we love God and have been transformed by the light if we hate fellow believers. Now, granted, some of us are irritating. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. I know that I probably irritate some of y'all, right? Right? <laughs> right? But do you love me? You do. You're commanded to love me, and you do love me by faith. Because you've been granted grace. That's not a problem for me because you're all so precious and perfect. <laughs> we get the picture, amen? We've been brought into the light. We're being transformed by the light. That's why we love the bride. We love what Jesus loves. We love the church. That shows up here. That's what's beautiful about this church. So Christmas, beloved, 
Christmas. This is Christmas Day. What should be first and foremost in our minds today? There's going to be many things we're participating in today. With family and friends, we have traditions, and all of that is good, and all of that is great. But more than all else, we've been granted, we've been blessed with a precious, precious gift. It's the greatest gift ever given to fallen sinful man. And that is that God entered this earth by way of his son. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the royal anointed one, Christ, royal anointed one, Christ the Lord, so that we might be reconciled to God. Being reconciled to God, we have fellowship with God. We live in the light now in a way that's pleasing to God. And that shows up first and foremost by the way we love one another. Amen? And we can do this with gladness and thanksgiving. So if you're not thankful for those sitting around you, I'd encourage you to go home today and thank the Lord, not only for what he's done, but what he's provided us, that is, with one another. Precious gift. And let me say this on Christmas Day of all days, it would be a great tragedy to spend your years celebrating Christmas after Christmas having never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. A tragedy. Remember what tradition is a few weeks ago? Tradition is very good. Tradition that is based on truth, Christmas is a tradition, amen? We're not commanded in the Bible to to have a festival for the incarnation. We're not commanded to celebrate Christmas. It's, It's a tradition based on the truth of Scripture, amen? And tradition, as I quoted one theologian a number of weeks ago, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism, taking tradition and and not recognizing Christ as who he is, you're not submitted to him, you don't serve him. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. There's a world of difference there, friends. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And there's all kinds of people out there celebrating this day who are dead in their transgressions and sins, you, by God's grace, have been brought into the light. May we be thankful. The grace of God in Jesus Christ. So John's texts, John 1 and 1 John here, echo that truth, and it's this, beloved. Don't walk out of this room without receiving Jesus Christ as who he is, Lord and Savior. Because if you had a 100 Christmases, beloved, given to you, to celebrate throughout your life with friends and with family and you do not receive him and you die in your sins and you're eternally separated from him, that's a tragedy of all tragedies. Don't let it be. Come to Christ. Be saved by the Savior. Because, friends, there are many people who saw him who didn't see him. There are many people who heard him who didn't heed him. We're in the Gospel of Mark. Do we not see this? Is that not the theme of Mark's Gospel? They're blind. Israel was blind. They're deaf. Many people walked with him but did not believe in him. They were shown the light and they opted for darkness. Don't let that be you. Come to Christ. And if you're in Christ, rejoice for all that you have in Christ. Amen? That's what Christmas is about.
That's why he came. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The grass withers and the flower fades. All its glory, like the flower and the grass, it fades. In other words, this flesh, it dies. You will perish. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains how long? Forever. And as Peter said, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. I say, hear it, heed it, be blessed. Merry Christmas. May the Lord bless you. The light of the world, the word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen.